This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable. Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. Hi, LSPod fans, it's JR here. Burt's Babes, Hoddle's Heroes, even Decanio's Dozens. We've had some iconic lineups in our history at Swindon, just like the legendary menu at McDonald's. Parkin' or Austin, sweet curry or barbecue? Why not get a McNugget share box to enjoy the debates with your mates? And thanks to book delivery, every drop-off can be a home win. Order now on the McDonald's app and you can also get rewards points too. No one wants to drop points at home, and with tasty rewards to earn, you won't be missing out. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus. Rewards registration required. Points only on menu items. Delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. It's Swindon Town. Ciao and indeed, Bentonato. Hello, Joe. And the amo fratello no astriani tutti i fagnons. Hello, Rich. How are you? You just had to be one better, didn't you? You just had to, like, I googled ciao and bentonato, and then you went and did that. If anyone does speak Italian, they'll know that what I said was nonsense, too. Okay. Cool. What would you mean, nonsense, too? Mine actually meant things. I'm sure, I'm sure it did. It meant hello and welcome back. Mm, well, I, I appreciate it very much, so. <laughs> Doesn't sound like it. How are you? I'm I'm doing well. I enjoyed my time away. Got to got to go and boo a, a different football team for passing around the back, mm. and uh, just had a generally nice time. Didn't have to be involved in what was going on at Swindon, which is always a bonus. And um, <laughs> no. now I'm back and at the grindstone again. Yeah, the, whenever I've been a football tourist, so to speak, you know, going to Europe and watching games, you you put your money down and you kind of like please. Be good or entertain me. Roma free, Sassuolo four. I don't mind it. It, it wasn't bad. I definitely didn't expect it to be almost anywhere near that good when I got the tickets for twenty euros. Cough cops, Swindon Town. Um, they were yeah. It was just an incredible game. Disappointing not to see Jose on the touchline because he was suspended. But I have seen that before at the county ground, so less of a miss, I suppose. Same amount of goals that were scored in like. 
their their four games previous as well, seven. So you know, you, you really did get lucky there, uh, and I, I envy that because the amount of drab one nil La Liga games I've been to over the years. Well, it's probably about two or three, but that's t- one or two, or two or three too many. <laughs> yeah, definitely. I think it was Sassuolo, the first side to score at the Stadio Olimpico against Roma this season. So to get it, we have four going. It was it was a pretty special game to be watching. And <laughs> frankly, there wasn't that much sideways passing to be booed because they, they were really going at each other. Lovely stuff. So here we are again, back on the Swindon beat, we didn't do any presses in your absence. It just didn't feel right. Yeah, I, I had to boycott the thing that you did in, in its stead just in case it did well. So I couldn't, I couldn't contribute to those figures in, in case I got can, canned. But yeah, um, I'm, I'm irreplaceable is what we've learned. First thing on the blog, though, complaining straight away. I think you were expecting this uh, presser to be a little earlier. Mm, I was <laughs> optimistically thinking one might start on time for once and... Uh, as I was on time to it, it did not. Um, and this time there wasn't any. Um, someone pointed out that last week they got given millionaire shortbread. That wasn't on the table uh, to me this week. It's just, yeah, it's, the the harsh realities of League Two uh, beat writing, I think. Of, uh, I think it was like half an hour late in the end. But um, yeah, it was it was good time, especially as it was moved forwards. I think this is the least we, we've talked about the actual game on Saturday than ever before. And as we both agree, there's been some contenders this season. Yeah, I feel like we've there's it's always a very limited amount of actual game chat. But I think after Walsall, we're pretty much all thinking season's done. And Rochdale aren't even like a particularly interesting team to ask questions about because they're not great, in case anyone doesn't know. So we're, I think we just sort of steered clear onto other stuff most of the time. By the end of the season, I'm expecting... You know, the old school, what you're watching on Netflix, Jody. Uh, the <laughs> plans for your holiday, anything, all that stuff. Um, so do you think, are you on the that's it for the season uh, train that a lot of people are now? I mean, I'm waiting for the Hartlepool moment, but I have I think after the, what happened against Carlisle, um, seeing it on the updates, like, yeah, that's probably it. And then Walsall, you're thinking, definitely. And then I actually looked at the table and it's only six points and you're thinking, Maybe, just maybe, but at the same time, and we've got the game in hand. But, you know, I, I feel like there's we're seeing very few signs of it being sparking into life. So I think it's going to have to be a big old turnaround for us actually to be alive, even if it looks like mathematically we possibly should be. Well, we'll see. Usually there's a little bit more analysis, isn't there, or, or reflection of the, the Tuesday games when when we have the presses on a Thursday. Not really the case this time, but he was asked about the highs and lows of uh, of management thus far. Yeah, asked about how they're sort of coping with inconsistency and being sort of, you know, uh, getting, getting a decent result and then just getting back to, to the boring stuff. And he was talking about how, you know, he's trying to get the players to, to look more analytically at their games, I think taking maybe a bit more responsibility in those areas and how they can sort of look at what the reasons are that they're not getting these great results and that things are going against them and sort of and then sometimes they are and sometimes they aren't and looking at what happens and what happened and what is done differently to try and educate themselves and become more consistent by learning from your mistakes kind of situations which um was very much his, his big point here 
Yeah, do you have any uh, theories on the inconsistency of Swindon Town? Um, well, it's been going on for quite some time. Um, in in my personal experience, roughly sixteen years, a, a lot a lot longer for some others, I'm sure. Um, so, I think it's hard to put your finger on one specific thing, other than you know, <laughs> just general incompetence, long running at most levels. So, you know. <laughs> I think you know people. People looking at the corners and stuff, and Carlisle, but we kind of defended corners the same way all season. It's been all right, generally speaking. So it just feels like various different things break at different times, and maybe you fix one, and then something else goes wrong again. Usually, it's an injury, but uh, to break the to break ahead a little bit, there aren't actually any more of those for once. Yeah, I'd, I'd forgotten about the Carlisle conclusion. Thanks for reminding me, and of course. You weren't there to rip up your match report, so every cloud. Yeah, that wasn't right. Although to, for about half an hour, I thought we'd drawn, so I, I, I believed it was full time when I was told that Tyree Shade scored, celebrating on an Italian bus. And one of my other friends goes, <laughs> "You know, you lost." Like, oh. hey, <laughs> yeah, ninety-six minute. Oh, so Ru- ruined your holiday. It very much. Well, it certainly ruined it for a few hours. Then I was like, hey, Swindon, it was very much on the cards. So, yeah. you know, I, you get over these things a little bit easier. I came out of a game, it was Hanover versus Augsburg, and it was the day we beat Bristol City 3-2 at the county ground, Nile Ranger, uh, Nicky Ajose. Uh, I skipped, remembering my, my dear wife is a Bristol City fan too. That was a, that was a good moment, especially as the game I'd just been to was terrible. <laughs> Well, I mean, it gives you a good excuse to look through the updates of, of Nile Ranger and his uh, exceptional physical capabilities, if, if lacking <laughs> elsewhere. Uh, yes, let's move on. XG was discussed. What, where does Jody Morris stand on XG? Uh, the second manager this season, we don't know necessarily about Gavin Gunning, the second one to not be quite as hung up on it. This was, I guess, Andrew's little project for the week where he'd looked through and seen that I think Swindon had about it was about five and a half XG across Jody Morris's eight games, which, if you don't know much about XG, is really bad. So it was sort of looking at that as uh, using it as a guide to ask about <laughs> why is the attack so dreadful, kind of situation. So that was that was where the the question was leading, and it was you know, he's he's not a big XG proponent, but he, I think he was very much accepting that Swindon's attacking is not going well, and that. Um, <laughs> Obviously, they've they've had to shift around quite a lot, change formations, which he doesn't necessarily, you know, put down as the reason why Swindon aren't um, attacking very well. It's very much kind of a, a decision making thing and a lacking quality when you're making those those plays in the final third. So again, he's like Scott Lindsay was also not particularly an XG man. I have to ask Gavin Gunning sometime to make it a hat trick of people not liking it quite so much, but you know, he's. He felt like defensively Swindon have done quite well under him and they're learning that transitional stuff, the stuff that I've written about. Um, and they're doing that quite well, but clearly the attacking, they need additional quality in that final third, which they're just not getting. And that's meaning they're not creating as many chances as they really need to. If I was to guess, I would say Gavin Gunning wouldn't care about XG. And I think we'd get the big three, the hat-trick for the season. Yeah, I, I think your, your money would, would not be wasted on that particular wage. He'd probably say something like, X's is for girlfriends, not for football. Well done. Uh, and, and Jody Morris just strikes me as old school. 
in terms of management uh, and philosophy. I've got no evidence to suggest that, but other than the fact that he's not that bothered about XG. Are you bothered about XG? Um, not particularly, no. Uh, a, friend, a good friend of mine who I did uh, my journalism course with last year was a big XG man, and we had um, we had long-standing arguments over its usefulness, and I just kept saying that it was made up. So I'm not a bit of an XG man either. And I'm thinking you're basing most of that Jerry Morris stuff on the fact he sounds a bit like Harry Redknapp. That's exactly what I'm doing. You've got um, me. It's, yeah. it's as good a reason as any. It's what I think as well. <laughs> um, I think. Have I heard him say he's a top, top pro? As soon as I hear that, I know exactly where I, know exactly where I stand and I'm probably right. Yeah, I, I wasn't there when they announced Tom Brewer, but I'm assuming he said something very, very similar. <laughs> but it doesn't matter because I've got good vibes about Jody Morris at Swindon. I'm, I am genuinely quite excited to see what he can do here. Yeah, I think, you know, he's you've, you can already see part of his imprint on the team. He's not getting the attacking outlook, but he's clearly a very good coach. We we all know that. And it's a very, you guys talked about it on the Love Strangers um, at, at the weekend, and it's something that we've said. It's a media pack where it does feel a bit Richie Wellens, where he kind of gets under his under you know gets under the door a little bit more over the summer, gets a few extra quality players in attack, and he should very much be able to sort this team out. And hopefully, we we run away with the league next season. Although it almost certainly won't happen like that. But we'll see. We'll see. Well, something that did happen while you were gone is the Ed Brand saga came to an end. You must have been delighted. Yes, I was delighted to not be around to have to write about it and not have to ask more questions on it. But uh, it, was, it was very much good to see it, to be finally rather stamped, it's all over. And as I quipped on Twitter, we can now ask normal football questions, like what's going on with Lewis Ward? <laughs> what is going on with Lewis Ward? Uh, <laughs> who, who knows? I assume we're just never going to sign him at this point. I, I think he's number one next season. I, I That's my gut instinct. He's here to impress going into next summer when Solbring goes on his merry way back to Middlesbrough and whoever he's going to be loaned on, off to next year. Uh, I think Lewis Ward might be number one elect. Whether I agree with it or not is not for this particular podcast, but um, that's what I think. Well, I mean, if he's not going to get, if he can't get signed by everyone else because of whatever the hell Sutton are doing, then it, it's a good use of his time to try and get in that position. Personally, I, I like to... I don't want to say this because Lewis Ward isn't a bad copy, but I kind of hope he isn't our number one next season. Um, I think he's just quite limited in kicking, but you know it, he can certainly give it a shot. And if we can, he's a good enough backup. Certainly, he proved that under under Garner and Wallacott. Yeah, it's been a while since we had a, a stable number one goalkeeper, probably Lawrence Vigaru. Um, which is quite funny when you think back to I don't know that how he necessarily would count as snake. <laughs> exactly how erratic he was in his uh, younger years, but we haven't had a a long-serving goalkeeper since him. Certainly not as a number one. Luke McCormick was here for a couple of seasons, wasn't he? But wasn't number one for the majority of the time. And I'm one of these old school. I mean, Jody Morris will agree with me. You want your goalkeeper to be a part of the fibre of the club, and. Uh, and stay and I don't not not that we shouldn't have on loan goalkeepers I just I just think it's such an important position yeah you always want I mean every position you'd rather have someone who was there for a long time yeah but, well, indeed yeah. Um, but we'll sell them off when they're six months on the contract anyway so it's not going to happen but yeah. you, I mean if we could get a sort of you know a, a good goalkeeper who was it was kind of Solbrin's level on a permanent deal and that's pretty much the dream but 
since Fodringham, I find that very unlikely. Yeah, indeed. Uh, we, that takes us back round to coaches' chat or staff chat because we were asked about Ed Brand, but also about the other coaches. Yeah, we were sort of following on from the Ed Brand stuff, and I was interested to kind of find his opinions. You'll hear in a second uh, that those are, I guess, mixed. Was the was the conclusions I drew? But he was kind of talking about how Ed Brand is going to have to approach his role in terms of you know the the fact that they have worked together before, which I guess is why he was so keen for Ed Brand to to come in was so that they kind of know each other and they can play off each other. A good, I don't know how tall Ed Brand is, but a good big man little man partnership on the training ground where if Jody Morris is doing one thing, then Ed Brand can sort of dovetail and they can, they can work nicely as a pair. And if, you know, if Morris is being harsh, then Ed Brand can come in with a soft touch and vice versa. So he was talking about Ed Brand, obviously having to sort of find his place within that hierarchy and working off of Jody Morris. But the fact that he has worked with him before should, should help him uh, define his role a lot easier. Yeah. As you said, we're going to go to the Joe zone a little bit, earlier for this episode because you asked questions about the coaching staff and it's, it's probably more logical that we do it now so let's go yeah, um, just beyond brand as well in terms of gunning Mildenhall and the other coaches how have you, what have you made of them since arriving well real good lads um, the fact that Mildy's got such a an affiliation with Swindon and such great experience of being around the place he's, Mildy's been a huge huge help to me um like I said, you instantly know. I mean, I, I knew people. We've got mutual friends in the game, and I knew people that knew Mildy um, before I came through the door. So um, I kind of knew what I was getting from a um, a person point of view. A good, real, trustworthy um, bloke who's got big experience in the in the game. But I have to say, since I come through the door, and <clears throat> his his knowledge of the club and how things kind of go on and certain things that I'd, I'd need to look out for um, Mildy's experience has been um, invaluable to me to be honest um, like I said and he's one that uh, I certainly certainly rely on um, as far as I think when you come into a new club it's the, the quicker that you get up to speed with how things work who the people are what the environment's like what the, the fans and the, the surrounding areas like I think the quicker you get up to speed it the better and and I like like I said Mildy as far as being a, a club man and from Swindon and kind of knowing what's going on he's been uh, invaluable and he's a he's a real good goalkeeping coach first and foremost but also uh, like I said he's involved a lot with the, the set pieces as well and his attention to detail is extremely high and someone like I said that I work I work really well with Gav is um, obviously young and new to uh, the coaching side of stuff um, but like I said there are people anyone that's at the, the club like all the staff um, the analysts Liam and Brad instantly the, the, how the working relationship has, has gone has been good um, like I said there's there's already been good work that's gone on before I've, I've come here and obviously people then need to adjust how adjust to how I want to work but at the same time um the more good people and good workers that you can come across when you come into a new club, the better it'll be for me. And then how far on do you feel like you are in asserting your style? Because we are seeing certain elements of it, but where, where do you feel like you are? Maybe you can't put a number on it percentage-wise or something, but how much of a Jody Morris team do you feel like this is now? 
Uh, well, yeah, I mean, it's, that, like I said to Andrew there, I, I'm, I'm pleased with some of the stuff that I'm seeing off the ball. Um, but yeah, we're, for me, we're, we're still not where I'd like to be as far as performing and um, getting the best out of the players from an attacking aspect. Um, but again, that, that, that can't happen overnight. Um, but like I said, there's certainly elements of the um, defensive aspect of and the work off the ball that I'm, I'm certainly seeing more improvements um, of late. And like I said, uh, that's pleasing. But there's no, there's plenty of work to go to see like the how I'd want my teams to look. Yeah. How much sort of attacking work are you able to be doing, and how like far off do you feel like you are? Because you're not, obviously you, the numbers don't look particularly good, and you feel like you're not doing those things. So. How long might that take? I don't know. I mean, we have to we have to wait and see. I mean, we could we could walk on the pitch on Saturday and things could click and it it look great. But um, like I said, I'm not sure as far as how long it would take. I mean, at the moment, you when you're kind of juggling injuries and suspensions and trying, it's not really a kind of settled team at the moment. Um, I think that's that's hard. That's hard. Because I think when you have settled teams and um, confidence to build on people that are playing regularly, people that are maybe not new through the door or not chopping and changing formations, um, I think you get to those places a little bit quicker than um, maybe what we are at the moment. But there's stuff that's out of our, out of our hands. So um, from an attacking aspect, um, I think the players know kind of what I want and. I'm not one that I don't like to sit behind the ball and camp in our half. Um, like I said, I, the whole reason that I like to get after the ball and put pressure on, on the opposition is to then be able to attack straight away higher up the pitch. So, and like I said, there's there's improvements to be made all over the pitch, to be fair, but um, obviously the attacking side of stuff um, does need to come up levels, to be fair. So yeah, Steve Mildenhall, he's seen his fair share of, uh, of of head coaches and managers at Swindon. And it's good to see Jody Morris compliment him as a coach as well as, you know, a personality. Because I, I think he has had a little bit of stick in, in recent weeks and months as a, as a goalkeeper coach with some of the things that Sol Brin does, which frustrates fans, like not coming off, coming out of his line as much as others. But statistically, he's one of the best goalkeepers in the division. So he's got to take credit for that. Yeah, I mean, it's so two out of the last four seasons, I would say. We've had arguably the best goalkeeper. Actually, three out of the last four, we've had arguably the best goalkeeper in the league with Bender, Wallacott and now Sol Brim. So and all of that under Mildenhall's watch. So you have to say fair dues to him. And obviously, clearly, Morris, another manager, very taken with Mildenhall as one of his staff. So he's he's clearly doing a very good job. I feel like Solbrin is so good that all of the criticism is always quite nitpicky because it's like, well, he I mean he probably couldn't have dealt with that, but but if he did this unbelievable thing he might have done. Um but I, I feel like anything <laughs> anything anyone says against Solbrin is always at least a, a touch harsh. Mm, yeah. And then you also asked about the development of the side and how far along uh, it, it's going or how far along we are and he's a bit non-committal wasn't it he, he, of course he wants better yeah he's always going to want better um I always find the sort of well it could just click at the weekend and then we'd be on it, it was like 
well, like, are you seeing it in training? Do we look close? It's kind of what you think when when he says that kind of thing. It, I think he said that more than once as well. That it might just, or maybe that was Lindsay. Like, uh, oh, it, just, it might just happen at the weekends. But you know, these things are always going to take time. I would like to see a little more progress than we're seeing in an offensive time because we have seen. Now, clearly, Charlie Austin is quite frustrated in this team at the moment because they're just not doing nearly enough going forwards. And you know, ideally, we would be able to keep Charlie Austin beyond the summer. But I feel like the way this is going, it almost certainly won't happen. Um, so, yeah, you would like to see more development than we're seeing. But if if he's, he's he has had quite a lot working against him, which I think is clearly a mitigating factor. Yeah, I, I think that's right. And uh, well, Lindsay used to use the, uh, the the spirit and desire on training is really good, so a win's on the way. Uh, but Jody Morris is very much on the well, we might win on Saturday, and <laughs> that might change it all. You know, you never know. It's, it's it's two different approaches, and I'm hugely entertained by the laissez-faire Jody Morris approach. Yeah, we could rock up to Rochdale, and suddenly we're Barcelona. Could happen. You never know. <laughs> And then, and then from there we'll be fine, which yeah. which I think we've all got our fingers crossed for. Yeah. Okay. Well, let's talk about the squad ahead of the game against Rochdale. Injury talk. What are we working with this weekend? Yeah, I knew this answer was coming because I knew they were coming back slightly later, and I saw Joe Tomlinson walking into the building as I arrived, so I knew he wouldn't be training. But he's not not going to be available. He's still sore and recovering. Was the was the word on him? But there is. There's, it's not a return, but it's positive news in that Fraser Blake Tracy is currently ahead of schedule in his development. He's been back out on the grass and doing some stuff, obviously not involved in full training yet. He's he's not close enough. But uh, Morris said that with the medial injury that he has, you can often like get back to running fairly quickly. And then you don't really find out necessarily where you are with the injury until you start doing ball work and doing all the twisty turny running that football is quite associated with so he, he does seem like he's doing well at the moment but when he gets into the more difficult stuff they'll have probably a better idea of where he is depending on how the next few weeks go I think they'll take less risk with him before the end of the season uh, unless we have a change of fortune and suddenly we're we're really pushing on or we have a insanely <laughs> bad luck in 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 injuries with the defense i think it would be it wouldn't be it wouldn't be beneficial to swindon if if they rush him back yeah i'm i i'm fully agree with that if we're not don't sort of win against win the next two or three maybe then there's probably not going to be much point in bringing flazer break tracy back quicker than possible and there's a lot more use in letting harrison mintone play much longer than maybe he would otherwise do if we were going to get playoffs and I think in terms of in, uh, having bad luck in terms of injuries I'm not sure we could have much worse as I said as I, he said when Morris came in he said good news there's not not another injury to report and I said that probably the first time you've been able to say that and I, I think there might have been one other that, that there wasn't a new injury for but we're in fresh waters of not getting new ones all of a sudden so you know was it two or three defenders now are out for the season in terms of Yandelo, Brennan and Baudry, so you know, it's. I feel. I feel like Blake Chase might come onto the bench quicker than maybe we might need him to. But I find it unlikely if we don't get that big turn up in form that there just wouldn't be any point in using him really, especially as we have him under contract for next season. Yeah, agreed. Uh, somebody who is returning is 
Morgan Roberts. Although it's not that great, is it, considering a, his lone move at National League older shot hasn't gone that well. Only a few appearances, only about two starts. Um, he's back, but they weren't very committal on whether we'll see him in the in the match day squad. No, it was very much uh, older shot just weren't using him, so it's better for us to have him in the even just in the squad doing training. Um, I, when I saw the Roberts news, when I got to the ground, I looked at his appearances. He wasn't involved in their last two games. He's come off the bench twice and started twice, not scored or anything. So, yeah, it didn't look like that was going too well. We'll see what he can do in training. He's looked he's looked pretty good when he's been on the pitch for Swindon, I feel like. So it's somewhat a surprise that that didn't work out better. But it was very much a situation of Aldershot, it wasn't going well. It's better for him working with Morris day-to-day if he's not playing anyway and just getting to watch him. Morris said he hadn't really seen him other than I think he was left. He left about two days after Morris came in. So he's probably seen him in two training sessions before. So he, he didn't really know anything about Morgan Roberts. I don't think he'd watched him play whilst on loan either. So it's very much just to see where he's at, bring him back. And then maybe there might be a sixth tier loan for him. I don't know what where Banbury are at this point or maybe you know someone else who might in that sixth tier might need him. But I think it'll be just training and in a but probably not in a matchday squad because our forward line is surprisingly given the number of injuries fairly deep at the moment. Do Bath need a player? Well, they're getting players back. I don't, I don't think they necessarily need Morgan Roberts. I would love him to go there because they're in a playoff pitch at the moment. But no, they've uh, they've got a few got a couple of forwards about now, so probably don't need him. It's been a peculiar season on the the loan front with players going out. I think, for example, George Calmeadows on his fourth loan move. I think Oscar Massey is on his fourth, and others have had real tough times. Uh, getting games with with their loan clubs. Ricky Aguilar hasn't had a great season across the board. Do you put that down to bad luck, or have we just been have we been sending players to the wrong teams? It, it, it has been noticeable this year. Yeah, I feel like we've loaned a lot more players this season than we normally do. Usually, it's like two players, and they're sort of like our top academy players. Like last season, it was kind of Parsons, Dabra, Minturn went out. This is a Scott Twine season where it's just a handful and maybe a couple of younger players go a bit more under the radar. But it, it does feel like none of them have succeeded really at all. I don't think Minton was even having a particularly great spell at, at Chippenham. Obviously, their league position's not helping anything at the moment. So it it definitely feels like maybe they're just not being as careful with the loans as they usually are. And that's, that's making them a lot tougher on our players. I, I don't know if is, is that another thing to lob, lob at Sandro's way. <laughs> <laughs> Not that that needs any more fuel to the fire. No, quite. Okay, we'll move on from that. Talk about it at the end of the season, I'm sure. Jody Morris was asked about attacking. What's going on here? Yeah, it's it's more of the sort of way. It, it was kind of it was kind of dodging responsibility. I don't want to say that too much, but he basically said, "Well, we have these opportunities where we create places." to hurt teams and then and then we don't do what I've told them to do or they don't or they try and something without the prerequisite quality and then we just waste chances and give the ball away and don't sustain attacks as much I don't know if that's a bit harsh on what he said but it did kind of feel like he shirked responsibility of how that the attacking development has gone when he was saying well they've just got to do it better haven't they 
I've told them what to do. Yeah, after uh, Carlo, he was getting quite frustrated with players not following his instructions, especially uh, playing inside their own box instead of just getting it up there. Um, but yeah, he, he, he has very carefully worded <laughs> uh, the blame elsewhere. And I think he's really looking forward to having his own squad from the summer onwards. Yeah, he did cut quite a frustrated figure generally today. His answers were a lot shorter, which still meant they were quite long, but shorter than normal. And he just sort of had from his tone, he just felt quite exasperated generally. So it does feel like even though a couple of the issues have been sorted out, Ed Brand and the centre-back most notably, does still feel a bit on edge and frustrated with his job at the moment. Oh, um, speaking of frustrated with their job at the moment, Jody Morris was asked about Charlie Austin. Yep, he was kind of asked, why is Charlie Austin playing in midfield? Um, which is fair. But um, he, he was... He said that he's pretty pleased with the work Austin's done off the ball. He, he said specifically that he wants his striker to do a lot more than just score goals, which I think isn't necessarily the role we thought Charlie Austin would be given in upon his return. It was sort of the the classic Richie Wellen striker of stand in the middle, we'll get it to you. And Austin has indeed said as much in interviews before about his relationship with players like Romeo Hutton. He's like, I'll be in the box, you put it in there for me. Um, and for a couple of games, that worked pretty well. But... Um, this was this was largely connected to the sort of woes in attack, whereas we said, well, Austin would score more, but we just don't get the ball in the box enough. So what's he supposed to do? And he is doing all the other stuff pretty well. He's just not getting the number of chances that he, he would maybe expect. Although I, I do feel like Austin has missed a handful of, not guilt edge, but a couple of good opportunities that you might expect someone of his ability to, to take so it, it is kind of feeling like maybe his frustrations in not getting the number of chances are somewhat frustrating him to the point where he isn't taking the ones that he actually does get the header against Carlisle man the header against Carlisle <sighs> yeah <it's>, it's, <laughs> there, there have been a few of those headers against Carlisle I feel like but that's probably the, the most notable example we had a rotation in midweek. A few players uh, were rested or or taken out of the side, and that was discussed. Yeah, he, he said that he didn't necessarily rest those players. He didn't then say they were dropped, but that he did specifically say, yeah, they weren't left out for that reason. Um, and then he, but he also said that is kind of on your mind when you make these and having the other games to play, the Saturday, Tuesday schedule, which we are largely going to be on then he was he was fairly complimentary about the way that um the, about the players who had come in to replace them as well um and then sort of generally within the squad he said that players had come with them come to him and said they felt pretty leggy and were a bit tired but he said also said that the training wasn't showing too many signs of that which feels feels good they're playing through the pain barrier this is the the footballing turn of phrase for that kind of situation so you know, they're, they're grinning and bearing it in this squad at the moment. Yeah. And finally, before we talk about Rochdale, um, Jody Morris was asked about what we want for the club. Yeah, he was given his opportunity to do another veiled vent, which is possibly becoming his signature <laughs> dish at the moment. Um, it's, I think you can you can read this two ways. One of them is just classic manager stuff where he's gone, I want more, you always want more. I always want the club to be doing as much as possible for us and that and nothing's ever enough kind of thing. 
that they're always that all managers say or or if you were one of the people that don't like what the club is doing which uh, is probably a lot of Swindon fans at the moment you could read it as Jody Morris saying that the club is is not equipping him well enough to do the job that he want that he is trying to do and they aren't giving him everything that he needs to do it and uh, he was he was making a few veiled threats there so uh it's a pick your own adventure story and I think people might choose the latter yeah I think until the until the summer he's gonna just continue to lace those little digs in <laughs> in the interviews and and post matches presses what have you and that's fair enough and he'll be judged on the summer onwards um and I think that's about fair yeah, it's a fair strategy. You know, managers like Conte always do this. But, you know, the, the club aren't giving me the players. I need the players. And then and then the transfer window curls around and the people in charge of getting the players are like, well, he did say he needed all these players. So here they are. <laughs> Please stop slacking us off. And then, you know, around next November time, we'll probably say the same thing again. Yeah. And, and, and I like the approach that he's, he's, he's a new head coach, but he's not just towing the, the club message which is quite nauseating at times. And that's not just related to Swindon, just generally. And when things aren't rosy and they just keep pushing on, I think Lindsay did it occasionally, didn't he? But, but Morris has spent most of his time at Swindon in a deep sigh. Yeah. I think from this sort of Chelsea background really helps with this because he's sort of from day one been like, I'm creating an elite environment and uh, the, the on timeness that comes along with that. Uh, which is very much happening across all areas of the club. Um, and sort of all that sort of demanding nature of of all le- all levels of the club. He's been talking about that since the day he came in. So it's not even a sort of a new thing that he's come up with as he's gone along. This was always his thing. So he's always gonna he's always gonna act that way. And I think hopefully he does it does help people shape up in the areas that are clearly not going as well as they should be off the field. Indeed. Okay. Well let's talk about Rochdale, perennial strugglers, last five seasons, 20th, 16th, 18th, 21st and 18th. They currently sit in 24th position, the basement of the EFL, five points adrift from safety. This is a huge game for Rochdale and I'm sure their manager, Jim Bentley, will see this as a potential opportunity to catch up with those just above Bentley, you all know, over 400 games managed in the EFL for Morecambe before ditching them for the bright lights of Fylde. He returned to the EFL earlier this season after replacing Robbie Stockdale as manager of Rochdale. In the last 10 games, they have won just once. They have drawn twice and they have lost the rest. But their win was against Stevenage. So they they have the ability to... Shock. That would be annoying, wouldn't it? The last game they played, they lost at Grimsby 1-0. The week before that was that win against Stevenage. What did Jody Morris have to say about Rochdale? And there's not much, is there? Well, you better believe that Stevenage result got brought up. <laughs> Excuses in advance. Um, yeah, it was sort of, it was the, what you've got to say, we'll put it into that folder of answers where, you know, they are at the wrong end, but they're fighting for their lives out there. You know, they've got to stay up. And um, a thing that Johnny Leefield was was talking about, this sort of uh, predicted table thing has given them an 88% chance of being relegated. So, you know, it, if, if, we, if we, and they are statistically the worst attack in the league. So if we can't get a win, 
you've you've got to uh, ask a few questions at that point. We can't, can we? We we can't lose this one, can we? You ruddy hope not. Oh. I, 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 you can't logically see a way in which we don't win, and that's exactly the the world in which Swindon live. And like, hold my beer. Here's <laughs> here's a disappointing one-one. Um, almost certainly in the offing. If it's a performance akin to Carlisle, even though we lost, we're going to win. But if it's a performance akin to Walsall, oh, I don't know. I don't know. I mean, we have to be positive, but I want the Stockport game to have something in it. I want us to be able to go with just like a few points behind the playoff pack so we can we can really take on Stockport with something to fight for. But if we if we drop points against Rochdale, I, I worry about the county ground atmosphere um, for, for the next game. Yeah, I think it would be rock bottom of very stony season inside that stadium, certainly. Um, yeah, I, I, I mentioned in the what we learned after the Walsall game that hopefully this Rochdale game can turn into Hartley ball from last season, although I don't have too much faith in that. But we just have to keep ourselves alive. Hopefully it goes a bit more like Harrogate, where we played a team who were obviously woeful. We beat them fairly comfortably and then walked away from it. Um, hopefully the aftermath goes a bit better. But you know they showed us earlier in the season that they're pretty dreadful. So we just, we just can't surely not win. We should win convincingly, but I would take any sort of win. Any sort of win will do. Um, here is hoping. The player guest, the return for Johnny Williams, because he was in the national news this week because he retired from international duty. So there's a huge segment here, isn't there, of Johnny Williams on his retirement and playing for Wales. Yep. Um, all, all the Welsh listeners, we know who you are. Um, this is this is your time to shine because obviously Johnny Williams, um, along with Gareth Bale, has retired, for, retired from the team. Obviously nothing to do with uh, Rob Page likely phasing him out. Um, it was it was very much the towing the line of um, you know the time felt right for me to go. I've I've done all of these amazing things as a Welsh player, going to all the major tournaments with them and um, getting to do all the inc- incredible things and all the memories he has and the pride he feels for the shirt. But he felt like after having done those, it was time for for younger players to come through the team, which is definitely not something that Rob Page said to him on the phone. I floated that suggestion in a WhatsApp group and the response was aggressive. Look, I love Johnny Williams. I think he's a brilliant player and a brilliant person. But I think given the fact that he didn't retire straight after the World Cup, he he retired right before their next international squad was selected. I think it was a, Johnny, I don't think I'm going to put you in this time. Would you like to retire kind of situation? And that's nothing against him. He, He just sort of plays in League Two. And he was probably on borrowed time as it is. Well, a fine international career, all things considered. So congratulations to him on that front. How's he found the season so far? Um, yeah, he was, again, we're sort of echoing what we've said, where he, he very much went to, we, it, we really can't let this peter out. We need to, the last few games haven't gone well, but we need to keep keep going, keep believing in, in what we can do. He, again, brought up, the sort of having to winning the last four games of last season, they're going and doing that. Um, I, f- I feel like the likelihood of doing so is slightly less this time, but it is a possibility. We've done it before, and everyone will always bring up Bristol Rovers from now until the end of time. So thank you very much, Joey Barton. Um, and, and just sort of making sure that Swindon leave everything out there. He, he said he felt like 
he always sees every player giving as much as they have, you know, and that being sort of as much as you can ask from each other as teammates, and that being enough to keep to keep going on fighting. And he he in the Wales segment he talks about you know playing like the atmosphere being like he was playing with eleven brothers and always wanting to fight to each other, and the sort of and the the effort that he feels like the players are giving definitely feels like it gives him it gives them all a reason to to keep going with each other and make sure that this season goes down to that Crawley game where hopefully we get in the playoffs and we can relegate someone because no offence to Scott Lindsay, I just like relegating teams. It's fun. It is a thrill, isn't it? That Notts County game was... was I was just going to say Notts County is my favourite. It was it was unnecessarily thrilling. Yes, we we, <laughs> we, 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 we got rid of the most historic tide in the entire EFL. It was brilliant. Really did enjoy that. Huge away following. They take the lead. We had nothing going, but enough. Off we sent them. Off we sent them. <laughs> Absolutely thrilling. Johnny Williams agrees with every Swindon fan that, you know, almost had miracles at the back, given how patched up we are. And we're looking so fine defensively, but it's not working going forward. Yeah, if, I feel like he, he was talking about how he felt the biggest problem was sustaining attacks and keeping keeping the pressure on, which is also something Jody Morris is talking about, where, you know, we would get forwards and maybe not make the right, right decision. And then we would we would get counted on. We couldn't just sort of keep those attacks going and suffocate other sides, which is definitely something you can see Swindon doing, with the exception of Harrogate, where they were so bad that they couldn't get out. Um, but that's, that's, the feel like, that's the thing he feels Swindon need to get a lot better at. And also something he talked about his being in his role in particular, where he, kind of needs to make sure that you know the the attacks stay alive and if things break down we don't let the other team out as easily and that will help Swindon to to become better attacking because we'll simply just be the near the goal for longer and and that that eventually should turn into some goals. I do hope so. There's gonna be a lot of eyes watching Johnny Williams as we approach the the final straight of the 2022-23 season for plenty of reasons, the fact that he's available, but also because he, of his experience. And we need this tail end of the season to really lean on that experience. And it's something that Johnny Williams thrives on. Yeah, he, he said he very much enjoys being the experienced man in the team, him and Charlie Austin, of course. But he, he did, did very much echo all the, the sentiments of what everyone's saying as it would be nice if we had a couple more, though. You referenced the, the top, the top three in the division, having you know a good blend of experience, and that being his his experience, his experience uh, there of how when teams are successful, they can usually combine the youthful exuberance with the more experienced heads. And especially looking at that Carlisle game where where Swindon were better than them, and probably prob- I wasn't there, but this is what he said, um, where they you know Swindon should have at least got something, possibly even won the game, but Carlisle managed to grind it out. And that's kind of, despite Swindon having shown that superiority, Swindon the 12th, and they're right up the top. So that's that's kind of the reason he pointed to is, is why Swindon couldn't quite do those things. So you know, a good bit of vindication there for everyone on Twitter. <laughs> Indeed. And how's he how's he rated himself this season? Yeah, he's he's been very pleased with, him, with how he's playing. Generally, he's moved back into his more favoured number eight role under Jody Morris. Obviously, he said a lot under Lindsay that he was certainly enjoying his football, but he 
probably enjoy playing in midfield more often. And, you know, he, he feels like that his, um, he's very much not in about um, goals, even though he's been able to get a lot more of them this season by virtue of having played further forwards. But he, he enjoys even more, it sounded like, you know, being the one who was creating the, the pre-assist type thing where, you know, you, you play the pass that sets up the attack and bring the ball from defence into that, into those areas. So he's very much enjoying getting to do that again. And um, he feels like he's doing a good job of it. And, and um, hopefully he can continue to be a little bit more creative. So Swindon can attack a lot better than they have been. Yeah. And there was a little bit more on pre-assists, wasn't there? Yeah. Just a little bit. Uh, Johnny asked specifically about if he would like that stat to start be, uh, be being recorded if um, the person who assisted the assister, which I, I feel like it's just going way too far back. Just in terms of um, on on a web page layout, you know, the BBC Sport now need goals, assists, and then a third block for a pre-assist. It's just long, um, but you know, he, it definitely feels like something he would like because it would would maybe make his stat sheet look a bit more impressive than maybe it does when he's played in number eight and he isn't necessarily scoring quite as many goals. Oh, let's go to the Joe Zone. Yeah, um, what have you made of, sort of the injury crisis? Obviously, you've got a bit of experience of that that particular area across your career. What have you made of the number of injuries that you have had and how difficult that might have made it for you guys? Yeah, I think um, like any team, if you lose your best players, it's always going to be harder. Um, I'm not going to slay the, the physios or the medical team because they've been unbelievable for me, to be honest. Um, and they were for Glads as well. So I, I, I do think it's been unfortunate for us. Um, you know, the Reese the one was really hard for us as teammates to watch him come back and perform so well in that game and then come off again. I think that's just really unfortunate and his it, it, luck will turn. Because um, you do go tough times in your career where you can't stay fit um, and we'll have to get around him and, and keep him positive about coming back and that's what you can do. Um, you know, we lost Fraser's a big miss. Um, very good player at this level um, and that leadership role he brings as well into the team and that experience and uh, obviously Sad's missing and Ellis they're, they're very good players at this level as well so um, yes yeah, it's, no, it's tough but it's, it's going to provide it always provides someone with an opportunity to step in and, and do the business so um, it is what it is um, at, at the moment um, and hopefully they can come back soon and help us you know, win as many games as we can. Um, I just want to go into the last few games of the season with something to play for. So I think it's important. I think a team like Swindon, that's what the case should be. Um, it shouldn't all be about what is the next season. I understand you've got to build towards that, but in the here and now, we've, we've worked hard to get into this position and we don't want to throw it away. And we are playing against some of the top teams in the division, so there's definitely points up for grabs. Um, but we've got to believe that and like I said, as long as everyone's given 110, percent um, which I think we are, um, that's that's what we can ask as, as teammates. Do you do that kind of thing? Try and help players out when they're going through that tough time, like Reese Devine has. Because I know people have different philosophies on injury. I think Brian Clough didn't acknowledge people when they were injured. So do you like try and help them out when they're in those positions? Yeah, um, I've been fortunate enough to have that around me when I've been injured, and I think it does help with people being positive and. Um, you don't. You, you do feel neglected at times when you're injured, especially for a long time. You're, you're never with, involved in the team, the banter, the, the group. You miss training. You watch people go and train. It's, it's quite hard at times. 
you do feel a bit left out and, and mentally it can be tough. Um, so it's important we keep them involved when we're not training and, and keep them morale high and keep their spirits high. Um, and, and time sometimes does go quick when you're injured as long as you stay busy with your rehab and um, you know, gives you time to work on weaknesses I guess as well if you're injured for a long time that you might not have the time to do when you're fit, um, whatever that may be. Um, but it, sometimes it's a time to reflect and, and, and see what your weaknesses are and try and improve on them as well. And then finally, just on the changing position stuff, do you feel like you've taken some of the stuff you learned whilst playing further forward about getting into the box and getting into those sort of poacher positions that you were starting to do this season? Do you feel like you've carried that into playing a bit deeper but you are maybe trying to get in the box more? Yes, yeah, it's, it's, it's still something I want to work on, getting in the box more. Um, probably at times, I, I sometimes feel when I'm playing in the middle, I want to lock out the edge of the box and make sure we don't get countered on, because the amount of times we do get counter-attacked on in this league is huge. I think teams do sit in to counter us because they know we're going to have the ball and play in the half, and they probably see that as a weakness when we're attacking their transition to break on us and attack. So there's one mind thinking, great, go and score, but there's part of me that thinks... If the ball breaks, I want to be able to first win the second ball, or at least stop the account, whether that's taking a yellow card or a good foul or or what. Um, but yeah, like I said, it's not all about me and scoring goals, so I can't just charge into the box every time and leave huge gaps. That, but that's the role I'm playing in, in midfield. Um, you know, I love playing as number eight. It's not always something somewhere I've played, but I do feel it's probably playing to my strengths and I do feel much more involved in the game, whereas there's times where I've played left wing and you know, I might have scored a one or two, but I don't really feel sometimes where I've been as influential and sometimes the game can pass you by and you're easily marked at this level, um, whereas when I'm in the middle I'm in the thick of it and I do enjoy the, the other side, the defending, the tackling, the heading, I do get a bit of banter for the amount of headers I win, but um, you know, it's all about timing. <laughs> So you asked him about injuries and learning from playing in a different position. I don't think there's any doubt, is there, that we've seen more of Johnny Williams than most of us probably expected. We certainly hoped, but it's been a delight to see him pretty injury-free over the last two seasons, whatever happens in the summer. Yeah, he had that sort of brief concussion thing, didn't he? But I was kind of thinking when he asked, it was like, are you glad it's just not you for once, really, <laughs> given given the number of injuries that Swindon have sustained? But you know, across two seasons, he's done you know, the, the work behind the scenes from the med, medical staff and himself just to play almost two entire seasons at Swindon is, is something he's just never done before. And it's been really, really great to watch him play all of that time. And if he does leave in the summer, which... Generally, generally expect him to do. It will have been an honour to get got to see him play more than anyone else ever has in for for any other team before. Yeah, I need him to get to ten league goals or just ten goals this season. I don't like it when our top scorer doesn't score ten goals or more uh, over the whole or over the course of the season. And Austin's not as prolific as we thought. Wakeling might do it, uh, but. But I need one of them to reach ten, please. Yeah, absolutely. I'm I'm all in on that one. It when you look back through the, because was it your Sporkle quiz that was Swindon's top scorers from it, from each individual it's season? It's always my Sporkle quiz, Ombre. Of course yeah. it is. Yeah, when you look, you can always tell what the bad seasons were by the fact that 
Yes, the, the, that season where I think we had about three or four players on six goals, yeah. got relegated. Obviously, the the, the Vincent Paracard season where he was top on five or something like that. Obviously, Charlie Austin scored way more, but he left. So you, when, if we, it makes the season look a lot more tin pot if we can't get even one guy into double digits. It really, really does. Oh, we got to win this weekend, and I'm going for it. I'm bringing back. After a couple of draws while you were gone in the predictions, almost got it spot on against Carlo until Zona Markin ruined uh, what would have been an absolutely perfect prediction. Walsall, Terry went with 1-1 and I think we all thought it was going to be something like that and it was 0-0. I'm coming back to the 2-1 for Swindon. I reckon Scott Quigley might do something daft, like chaos on social media as a result and then maybe Wakeling and an Austin penalty in don't know which order will give us the 2-1 win. Yeah, goddamn Michael Cox and his zona marking. I'm going to go positive for the first time Ooh. in forever. I'm going to say 3-0 Swindon. Well, we already did it against Rochdale as well, which which gives the extra credence. But surely they're just so bad that this is at least a little bit easy. So I'm going to say that it will be. Stevenage in their last home game, 2-0. Yeah, I don't understand that. But Stevenage have been a bit weird recently, haven't they? They've, they've lost a couple. Almost as if they don't want to go up, isn't it? It's just like they were <laughs> looking like they were going to really compete with Richie Wellens and Leighton Orient. But then... They've had, a, they've had a little wobble, but I think they're stabilising now. But yeah, we'll, we'll take that. We'll take either. Joe, thank you very much. Thank you very much, Rich. The Lone Strangers is an independent podcast and views given do not reflect those of Swindon Town Football Club. The intro music of The Presser is by the amazing Drag Me Down, influenced by the great Matthew Kilford. And the podcast artwork is by Matt in Singapore. What a guy. Thanks for listening. Come on, Swindon. Hello, bubble. Hi, Alice Pod fans. It's JR here. If Swindon players were McDonald's items, who would they be? We've had lots of Big Macs, like the legendary Alan McLaughlin, Harry McCurdy, or even Steve McMahon. Perhaps you'd prefer to channel the power of McPlant, like Darren Ward. Or maybe five chicken selects, one to enjoy for each time Ben Gladwin joined. Yep, there's one spare, but there's still time. And you don't need super scouts or data solutions to get your hands on any of these. McDelivery through the McDonald's app brings them all to you. At participating restaurants, 18 plus. Serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable. Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times.